You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Investor Radio. I'm Craig Fuhr with Jack Bevere, and we're, we've been speaking with Franklin Cruz on episode 16, and we're just continuing the conversation. Franklin is a developer, longtime investor, uh, currently in the Lakeland, Florida area, doing some pretty exciting stuff. Franklin, tell everybody quickly again where they can find out. You know, just search for Franklin Cruz on Google. Yeah, that's like the easiest way, man. I was like, I just go to... Frank, go to Google Franklin Cruz. That's it. Super simple. C-R-U-Z, not like Tom Cruise. <laughs> right. So, and and the reason why I would, I would encourage all, everybody listening to go out and check it out is I, I honestly look at Franklin as sort of like, you know, where I was 20 years ago, where Jack was, you know, 15, 18 years ago, sort of going into that first house in Baltimore and going, holy, you know, holy crap, what do I got here? I think mm-hmm. the numbers work. I mean, Franklin is doing that in sort of the development game right now from the ground up, doing very high character houses on smaller infill lots currently in the Lakeland area. And we've been talking about that. So go check out episode 16 for sort of the history. And now we're going to get into the numbers and sort of the nuts and bolts of the deal, Jack. So so we've been talking about this, um, I'm sorry, 12 lots in Lakeland, correct? That yes. was 12 lots? And mm-hmm. um, how did you come upon the uh, the structure, if you will, or that that particular sort of designed house, which is rather unique? Why why was it that, and how did you come upon that? What was your thinking behind that? Quickly, uh, that's probably like the fourth rendering or fifth rendering within two years. I've been always playing with knowing that. What basically what happened was how I came up with that is because when I did the deal with KB and I met all the national home builders, a big epiphany hit, which is the epiphany was like, we're never going to have homes of the future. I was told when I watched Back to the Future Part 2, I was going to have homes of the future and that shit's never going to happen. And I, it was like a big shock for real. I swear to God, like mm-hmm. I'm talking, and it hit me. I was like, these guys, all they care about is this spreadsheet and their performa. We're never going to have homes of the future ever. And then I did all the research. I was like, who's doing mobile, who's doing modern homes at scale? And nobody's doing it. Like they, they say, oh, well, I could do it in a factory and I could do this. And no, you can't, man. The trick of development is land. If you don't know the land part, dude, you're fucked. Like you can't do this. You've got to learn land. You cannot make something in a factory and think you're going to pass all the permits and all the building codes and everything else with a, with a municipality that's a hundred years old and they're just going to change up because of you. No, man, it don't work that way. You got to figure out the house on the ground in the trenches. Um, and I just wanted something cool. I wanted to be inspired. I wanted to go in that house and be like, this is cool. Like, you know, I wanted kids to walk by and be like, dad, I want that. I want that. You know? Honestly, if, if we had a way to throw up on the screen your designs right now, I would love to do it. Most people, I'm sure, are listening anyway. So, again, you know, search for Franklin Cruz and you'll see these very high character homes um, that you're doing. Frankly, I, I'll be honest with you. When I first sort of saw the sticks, um, you know, I'm thinking like, what in the hell is Franklin doing? But, bro, <laughs> I'm so impressed by the PR that you've gotten off of this. It's been insane. Um, that the just sort of the buzz yeah, has been. around the community and, and frankly, around, I, I would bet around the state. So you get to the point where you're in the lot, everything's ready to go. Um, yeah. Talk, t- let's talk about sort of like, first of all, where did you find that design 
or is that something that uh, did you? No, sort of no, man. That's, yeah. So my uh, architect, I'm a huge Frank Lloyd Wright fan, and if you don't know what Frank Lloyd Wright, is, that's why we call it Elon Wright is our building side. So we go horizontal with Elon Wright. That stands for Elon Musk and Frank Lloyd Wright. If they had a baby, it would have been Elon Wright. <laughs> and so, you know, Google Frank Lloyd Wright if you've never heard of him. And to me, he, you know, his designs were in the 1900s, but it still looks like it could have been built right now. Like they're yeah. unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. So for me it was, but a lot of people don't know this, Frank Lloyd Wright never did a development. He never did more. He never did a no, full development. Everything yeah, he did one-offs. was one-offs. Yeah. And so to yeah. me, it was like, what if you could mix them? What if you could take Elon? What if Elon Musk was in the building side and what would he do? And to me, I was like, he would do modern homes at scale and make them cool as hell. And then, you know, keep the cost down, keep driving it from keeping, you know, be vertically integrated as much as you can, or just really know the micro details so you could keep your costs down so and have did, a product that's 10 times better than everybody else. Did you get any pushback from the community for sort of the, like, you know, for lack of a better word, the difference of design of I'm sure than the rest of the community? Oh, hell yeah. I've got, dude, this is like the, it was, it's a love hate relationship. You get people that are like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. I've got, I had, no, I had the president of the Habitat look at me on my face and say, I think they're extremely ugly. I think they're like one of the ugliest homes I've ever seen. And I was just like, okay, thank, at least you got an opinion. I was like, I'm happy you made it. You got an opinion. Thank you. <laughs> but I've, I've had people look at me on my face. Even they thought I was the builder. They know I was like the developer owner. I've had people drive by and they're like, God, that looks so ugly. Look at that. That's the ugliest thing. I was like, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I thanks. own it. <laughs> you, know, I appreciate, you know, driving in your Chevy 1969 Impala that has three wheels on it. Thanks. <laughs> Jack, Jack, bring your, hi- so, bring your high, highly analytical mind to the conversation here and, and guide us in some numbers <laughs> and sort of like, you know, do, do what you do now, Jack. Tear this thing up and and let's let's get into the particulars. <laughs> no, no, please, no. I think it, dude, I think it's great. Like, and and I've only been like messing. I've been I've been messing with this the same way Franklin has. Like, just kind of like bumbling through, figuring it out. But then you figure it out, and you're like, oh yeah, look, like it's that's not brain surgery either, right? Oh, it's just real estate. We just it's just some new vocabulary to learn. Like, it all makes sense. It's just no one's giving you a course to how to teach it. It's just you're fumbling through the dark, figuring out like, you know, as you go. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you got it. So like the, um, the, the, what's the, it's a three bedroom, two bath, right? Three bedroom, two and a half. Three bedroom, two and a half bath. And uh, parking's outside or garage? Yeah, we have an oversized one car garage that what we did too in there. Uh, we painted it all black inside the garage and put a hectagon light, which is standard in all of our homes. Just because what we thought about was like, nobody ever gives a shit about the guy. You know, nobody ever cares about the man cave. So, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to actually make the man cave. So that Because what happens is when you move, you put all your shit in the garage. And then years pass. And as the man, you you're just your shit's in the garage. So you could never make the man cave. But you're the one that paid for the fucking house. So it's like, <laughs> what? Now, don't get it twisted. I know there's some women who's like, oh, I paid. Oh, that's cool. Whatever. But there's something about that damn area that's mine, you know? And so we painted it black. We just made it cool, you know? It's just like, what would, what would I want in something that I can afford? 
I wanted to make it that anybody that had a job, if you had a job, you can afford this Mm -hmm. and you could shoot for it. You could be like, that's what I want. Instead of like, when I would go to these million dollar areas, I was like, I, that's amazing, but that's not realistic. I didn't feel like I could ever. Yeah. I wanted something that somebody could be inspired. Like when I've got a Model X Tesla, right? And so I could say that's, that's something that somebody could shoot for. And it's, it's something that's realistic. Not in your head, you're like, oh, it's a hundred thousand dollar car. What that's hey, dude, if you just work, if you just make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you could drive that. Yes. You could, drive, you could be inspired. Not, yeah. It feels like a $300,000 car. It's faster than the $300,000 car. Oh yeah. yeah. I smoke my friends all the time. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. And like mine's got seven seats in it. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I was like with a weighted vest and all my tools in the front, you know? So it's like, got the screw gun in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I go to home Depot all the time. You just buy the rugged, just buy a big towel. That's it. You're fine. What's it going to, you know, it's, it's a car. <laughs> so there's, um, so, so the, uh, the, the, that's the 12 and then, um, Hey, you know what? I apologize for, for like kind of circling back in the conversation here, but how are you sourcing these deals? I mean, so like, you know, like uh, pe- people are like, Hey, I could do postcards. Like sh- sure. You could just do postcards on vacant lot owners and just look for, and just like, you know, that, that seems like obvious, but like, I'm sure you're not finding like larger parcels that way or, or, or are you, I don't know. Well, how are you finding deals? That's a great question. Great question. Yeah. So great question. So there is, my belief is one, if I'm going to find deals, there's got to be scalability. To me, postcards for me was never scalable. So I figured out the online game. Very meticulous. You know, what's my zip codes in my area and hone in on that zip code and do that. Now, when it came down to development, surprisingly, a lot of my deals, 90% were referrals. Because what I discovered was a lot of people don't know an active developer. Yeah, who's buying land. And so right when you say, hey, I'm a developer... They actually were like, oh, I know one. Because I even remember, I was like, I, you know, my phone Rolodex is 8,000 people. I don't know. I can't say on two people I know and one went bankrupt and the other one will pick up the phone is a developer out of 8,000. But I'm and I'm in real estate, <laughs> you know, so it's like they just don't know. So I just put myself out there. I was like, hey, I'm a developer. This is what I'm doing. If you know anybody, you know. And then what I discovered was landowners don't even know what's possible with their land. They don't even comprehend it because even some developers don't understand the land all the way up. Usually they just hire a civil engineer and they say, hey, do the work. You know, I think I got a deal. And if they have a lot of capital, they can play that game because they, they could, they've got to move money. You know, so what I learned is just put myself out there. Uh, the big deal, the KB Holmes was a referral um, actually from Chris Chico. We know Chris Craig. He, he actually had a lead. He's like, hey, dude, you know, this lady what can you do? So he referred me and then I, he didn't even know about the land. I didn't know either. And then, um, all these other deals, like I got 130 acres right now. We're working on a a master plan, 460 units with a 200,000 square feet business park. That was a referral because the guy didn't know anything to do. He just said, Hey, I know this owner. I think I could be in the middle. I'll bring in all the money, but can you be the person in the middle to make this deal happen? And I did, I, you know, we're into that deal for like 3.5, we immediately got an LOI from KB Homes again for 11.2 on the deal. Um, and then, but I created the deal just from him saying, look, I don't know what I'm doing. So he brought me in, you know, Olive Street, a guy said, hey, there's a sign there for one acre uh, in an opportunity zone. 
I look at it and I find out there's a second sign next to that one sign that says eight acres, same owner. It was nine acres of land. You know, so everything I'm, you, you just, if you have it, what I discover is like, if you have integrity in what you're doing and you're egoless about it, deals will come to you, man, because that that's good. You're, you're having good energy out there. And so, so it will come to you. So um, right now, I know that's right probably now, not the best sophisticated answer, but that's what I got. I mean, right, Jack, I feel like right now we're not, we should not be in an era and in an era of competition, but rather more of collaboration and connection. So right now um, I'm at a conference of about 700 real estate investors from, you know, the, the smallest mom and pop to, you know, guys who do big scale and in the room as well are people with money, you know, invest uh, small, small, uh, you know, capital, private um, who will go long term, short term. And so, you know, there's a lot of competitors in the room, but there's there's this sort of mood of, hey, let's not be competitors anymore. Let's find out how we can help each other and connect, you know, not not in a way just so I can make money off the deal. But like, you know, look, it's a good karma thing, too. I'm going to introduce you to somebody who might be competition, but I know there's a way that you two can work together. Just last week I had I I, I have a mastermind with some guys and I had two of the greatest competitors in the chimney space in Maryland in the same place. These guys have had lawsuits against one another. And by the end of the night, they were talking like, why, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that when we know together we're far more powerful as the one and two in Maryland than, uh, you know, being adversaries? And so um, yeah. that's that's the spirit in which I, I see my role in this entire podcast and sort of my role in general right now in life is, you know, how can I bring value and mm -hmm. connect people together? So, um, you know, back to Jack's question, there are many MLSs in the country where if you do sort of a topo, you know, sort of that aerial view satellite, it gives you the outline mm -hmm. of the land that, and you can see where all of the lots are sort of vacant, how they're zoned mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times. And just in the MLS, Jack, you, you found that, correct? Yeah, when you're, when yeah you're doing absolutely. Those kind of so mm -hmm. that is that is that sort of the way other than referrals that you would go about doing, you know, a preliminary, no. not at all? Yeah, never. Just because what I found those people aren't motivated. So what I discovered was, um, one, you've got to have, so right before, right before I got in a commercial, I did uh, 61 transactions of all single family in one, in one calendar year. Um, and so what I, and all of that was online marketing, specifically Facebook, specifically news fees ads, and very laser targeted in my area. And what I, the, and you know, at that time I had 81% closing ratio. So if I had the conversation with you, we're going to do something fast, slower, creative. Either I'm going to buy your property. We're going to, you know, slow is going to be listing the property. We're doing something creative. And what I discovered through that is when people are contacting you, they are motivated to do something. You've got to solve their problem. So for me, it was all about solving their problem in a fast, slow, creative way. And then I would always ask them, hey, which one are you leaning towards? It didn't matter which one they lean towards because all of them still pointed to all my companies. Sure. So I and I'm happy because we were able to help them. And if the deal was too tight, I personally don't believe in um, I don't believe in not not being in person wholesaling at all. I believe if you're going to do wholesaling, you need to see that person face to face like a fucking man. And you actually need to let them know, hey, if I can't move this, I'm going to buy it yep. and I'm going to rehab it. If you can't say that, 
then I want you to be there physically when you say that you didn't find a buyer. So you could see that mom crying to her kids mm -hmm. because they already spent the money. So oh, I took yeah. it really personal to figure out solutions no matter what. That's, and that's so, called, by the way, that's called old school wholesaling where there, you know, we didn't have okay. 10 reason clauses. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, go out 90 days and then tell you I never found, you know, couldn't find a buyer for the place. Oh, so man, I, get, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So then even deals that like, for example, I just got a deal because somebody called me the other day. The guy, uh, older gentleman, he wanted um, uh, $300,000 no, so for the house. I figured out the house is actually worth about 600000 But the thing is, that number's so big on a wholesaling side. I was like, dude, I'm not, you know what? I'm going to list it for you and I want you to make $600,000. we will just make the listing fee. He started crying. He started crying. So I was like, that's actually... what it's about to, to me. Good. You're actually still doing, you right. know, sort of one-off residential deals in, in at the same time you're doing oh, yeah. these larger development deals. Oh, yeah. You got to get your reps in. To me, you, you, in development, it's real easy not to get your reps in. And what I mean your reps is like having conversations with sellers, negotiating, still, you know, being out there in the field. Um, I'm not in the field as much as I used to be, but I still go because I want to make sure that I'm getting my reps in. You know, it's like you, you've got to get it in. If you choose to be in this field, you got to see what's happening. How's the market? Just like right now, when we put out one, I put out one um, ad in my area. I got five leads that called and we locked up two amazing deals out of five, like just one is $60 of ad spend. And my, you know, the conversion ratio is stupid. Like one of them is a manufactured home. We got for 80 grand. It's worth 280 with a lake in the back, but it needs a lot of work. But those deals are there because a lot of people don't have capital right now or know-how of how to fix these rehabs anyway. So what I learned was if you get if you start layering your specific skills in this game of real estate investing, it's only going to help you. Just right now, I'm layering in development skills and building skills. Yeah, so, um, something that we've found is that like the development stuff, the bigger projects, like the hits are great, but like, but they are they are unpredictable, right? Like you can't. It's hard to build like a pipeline of like larger deals. Like they hit when they hit, and then you may go quiet for six months, but then you go like boom, 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 right? And like, you know, I don't know, you know, it's just it's just what it happens. So like, it's hard to oh, like yeah. it's hard to like build a steady consistent pipeline out of it the way that you can with single family and even like even the infill stuff that we've done we've probably done like i don't know 20 or 30 infill deals over the past like mm -hmm. three years but i haven't been mm -hmm. able i'm up i'm up in the northeast i'm in maryland so like it's much less like you know permit friendly state there's not as much like undeveloped land still to find and then the permitting process itself is like unpredictable and can be very long and painful. And so mm -hmm. even just trying to line up crews, like, like I've been able to put together enough infill deals to say that we do infill deals and like, yes, we buy land, but I can't say that I, that's all we do. Like I can't, I can't keep a whole team busy just doing that. I've got to like have it sprinkled in. So it's, you know, sprinkled in with my, with my construction projects where it's maybe a different yep. different set of subcontractors but my project manager goes from doing you know like a, a kitchen and bath rehab to a full gut rehab to a moderate rehab to do a new construction and that's just something else that they can do to keep uh, to keep my project management side busy and kind of and so you know they're, they're bigger pops because the margins are better on them but yep. um 
but I, you know, I, to, I think, I think about it the same way. It's like, it's another tool in the bag. I'm always working on it. I really like doing it. It's fun. Um, but you got to do others. Well, we at least, you know, have, have, have had to do other stuff as well. Um, but it's a nice, it's yeah. a nice part of the portfolio, so to speak. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I, I look I, at, um, go ahead. I love that mentality, Jack, um, because I think that anybody who's sitting here that's sort of from the outside looking in, and frankly, you know, I've never done any land up development. We did a small subdivision next to my house on some land with a builder. And by the way, that was six houses. And that took two years, Franklin, two years to go from raw dirt, you know, old person dies, has three oh, yeah. and a half acres. This guy comes in. I've got a small piece that I that can I, that they can put together. Two and a half years, and as I spoke to the uh, the the builder on the very last house that they were building on the lot that I sold, the guy said, "So two and a half years to get to this place right here, where we've where we're on our last house. It's really closer to three at that point." He says, "And on this last house, it was sixty five grand in impact fees, permits and impact fees. Mm. They had a shovel in the ground. It was sixty five thousand dollars just for that one house in Maryland." So. Imagine, you know, the the environment that we're in versus the one that you're in and sort of like looking from the outside going, this guy, Franklin, he's killing it. You know, he's, 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 he's making millions of dollars when in fact, what they don't understand is, you know, like, well, I'm on to the next deal and that deal is going to require some down money. And so there goes that yeah. you know, part of that million. And so I think that's what Jack is saying. Like these deals don't just they don't just land in your lap at that perfect time where you can go, I'm going to go from this one to this one. And so I love the fact that you're still like, you've kept your roots in sort of the single transaction, maybe the double transaction. You're still out there getting your reps in with wholesale deals and traditional real estate investing deals that like main street guys like us do. But but while at the same time, you know, guys like you and Jack, you're figuring out, Hey man, there's this different place. And so in Baltimore city, Jack, I'd love for you to talk just briefly about like this thing that you found maybe to inspire Franklin and others who are listening quickly, just go through that. Like, Hey man, we learned this sort of multifamily. It's going to be affordable in a tough area of Baltimore, but like, can you talk about it quickly, Jack, and sort of how that came in your lap? Um, yeah. So we we bought a piece of dirt in, um, we bought a piece of dirt in Northeast Baltimore. It's not a bad area. It's a super, it's a, it's a really nice area, but it's like, you know, where the land's not worth a lot though. Um, so we, um, we bought this piece of dirt for 700 grand. It's zoned as of right for 61 units. And we're going to end up doing actually like a, like we were going to do townhouses, multifamily townhouses, but because of the design guidelines in the city, which again, it's one of those like super, it's a super local business, right? Like literally you have to under like, but who the hell is going to read like your County design guidelines, (laughs) right? Like before you get started, like, no, like, let me put a put a deal on the table and I'll think about it. But like, I'd rather, yeah, yeah, like I'm not (laughs) not going to tap that out. Yeah. So So it's like, get something under contract and then figure it out. Right. And like, you either have the confidence as an investor to be like, I know I'm going to figure it out. If there's a deal, I'm going to be, I'm the guy who can figure out if there's a deal here or not. Um, and you know, like you said, manage the seller's expectations that like, Hey, I'm not sure, but, um, but I'm the guy to figure it out and I'm just going to go work for free and figure out how to like get you the value that exists out of this land. Um, but anyway, so we're doing this. Um, it was one of those situations where it was like, I, I, you know, as of right, we could put 61, uh, 61 units of resi on this piece of dirt. And we started down the path of doing multifamily townhouses, 
but the design guidelines screwed us up. So now we're pivoting back to just doing a multifamily building, um, which should be fine. Um, but you know, but I'm carrying this $700,000 piece of dirt the whole time, right? It's been, it's been a year change. I'm, you know, now pivoting and, you know, going back to the architect to get a new set of plans to, to do this project. So, I mean, those like, you know, that there's a little scale to that one at 61 units, but like, you know, that stuff, that stuff happens. Right. And it's not for the faint of heart right. and you have to have some, some cash to carry that along the way. Um, but endo, it's going to end up being like, you know, an affordable multifamily project. Um, and our basis in the dirt is like, you know, less than 15 grand for the raw dirt. And then we're going to have to, and, and we're already, um, utilities onto the site. So we're going to have to like, maybe, you know, I say, yeah, now let me ask you. So on that site, are you, is it, a, is it an approved area for affordable housing? Like actually to, to get your grants and, and the funding for, from affordable housing? There's some, there's some property tax credits. Um, uh, okay. but it's not a, and there is an affordable housing requirement. Uh, I think it's, ten, it's you know, it's like 10% must be dedicated to less than 80% of area median income. Um, yeah, there's got to be like a medical facility, a bus, a bus area next to it, school nearby, stuff like that. Yeah, we don't have like the, uh, you know, outside of like low income housing tax credits, we don't have like any municipal or state, um, you know, affirmatively like, hey, here's credits for creating affordable housing. Rather, it's a bit of the opposite. It's if you're going to do new construction, uh, you must put in an affordable housing component, which right just like drives all land values down. Um, so, you know, it, they're, instead of the carrot that they're using in Florida, they're using the stick because, Hey, it's the Northeast and you know, that's the Northeast. Yeah. That's yeah. It's interesting. Cause if, if you look at the, um, that workforce housing chart, it's called AMI chart. So now we don't call it workforce. We call it workforce housing, not even affordable housing. I just say it's workforce housing. It's technically the same thing, but to me, it's like, I want people that's going to work for it, you know, like ha have a job, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, so but what I've discovered was it's like you, it's still pretty high. So if you have a family of five or family of seven, or, you know, those numbers are still typically like the rent rates that you're allowed are, are high. Is that the same way that you're seeing it? Yeah. Or? Yeah. And we get pretty much in, in, especially in, in most parts of Baltimore city, the AMI charts are fine with market rent. Like if we're renting to somebody who's got a voucher, like we're getting market rent, uh, in everywhere uh, except for like the, you know, the highest end areas. Yeah. And why didn't you want to sell it off? You didn't want to just do the approvals and entitlement, sell it off to another like family office or somebody. I else. wanted to figure it out. You know, it's just, it's one of those, like we wanted okay. to, yeah, we were just like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, we wanted, I, we've never done that. Like we could have, we could have, we could have just like, yeah, we, we could have put all yeah. the paper in place and then sold it this to a lie tech developer or something like that. But, yeah. um, we were like, nah, you know what? Like, let's, let's see if we can go do this one. We'll learn a lot. It'll like, it'll, you know, it'll be part of our learning pro our, our cost basis in the land is low enough that the carry is not killing us. And so, um, you know, we'll use it as a learning opportunity project and, you know, and also just, you know, cause it sounds fun, right? Like I've never done it before. And I want to say I did, it, did one, you know, Dude, I'm, I'm in the same boat on my 96 unit. I negotiated a, a carry. I negotiated no, uh, no payments for three Dude. years when I bought it at <laughs> 2% interest. Um, but I also gave them a lot more than what they wanted. Um, but that property, man, I'm into it for 450. The last LOI I had was for 2.4 million. And I said, no, because that one was the deal. I'm like, I want to learn this one. Now, don't get it twisted. I've got a huge asset that's 450 plus units with 130. That one I'm selling. That one I'm like, we're, 
I don't want to do it way too big. I'm, I don't even want to learn that master plan because master plans are different. I'm like, I just let me learn. You know, I got the subdivision. Now I want to do one. I want to go horizontal and vertical. So I totally get you. Dude, tell me about, talk so to Jack, me about the I master. Was, go ahead. Hey, talk to Franklin, Jack, talk to me about the master plan thing. Like what, um, cause that's not something that I've yeah. done before. Um, and whenever I think master okay. plan, like I'm up in Maryland. So I think of like, Columbia, which is like half of Howard County, was a master plan community, which is one of the bigger, ma- biggest master plan communities that have you know have ever been done. But I'm pretty ignorant to like this, like you know the the smaller scale ones. Like like what are the you know t- talk to me about that? Like what are the advantages of it? How difficult is it to get it done? Like what why go through that? Like why why do a master plan community? Um, couple things. So the great question about master plan. So. There's different sizes of master plans, right? So an entire city, community, you know, zip codes, they can have a, a huge master plan for different kind of uh, asset classes within that those zip codes or municipality, right? But then if you bring it all the way down to a master plan subdivision, so you've got small subdivision, which is about 50 homes or less, right? That's small subdivision. Then you've got large subdivision, which they, and this is how it reads, large subdivision, 100 homes or more, right? And then master plan is if you're mixing in residential with business park, with cell storage, with industrial, all on one big parcel. So we have three different parcels that we did an assemblage to correlate to 130 acres with the lake in the middle. And they're different zonings in different areas, but we own it all. So we have like a very small, in comparison to like a big city, you know, dealing with their large master plan. This is just a master plan dealing with the development. So then you would say, okay, in this section, we're doing this. In this section, we're doing this. In this section, we're doing this. So that's why they would consider it a master plan. So they, you, don't um, have to like, you don't have to like subdivide and say like, hey, I'm going to subdivide and put the office building here and put the restaurant over here. They'll let you. No, you're, you, you're subdividing it. Yeah. Oh, you're doing it. Now, if you want, I could subdivide it and sell it and have different parcel IDs or I could resell it like right now we've got um, a couple family offices that are interested in it because they like those different asset classes. And so they want to keep it all together and just own it all without the subdivision, which for them, it's a lot easier. You know, you're just dealing with, you know, one parcel ID with all of the assets within that ID. Um, but yeah, you could subdivide it. It, it all matters the time because, you, you know, like I know, man, like development is different when it comes to time. You don't even know how long it's going to take to get the studies done. You have, you don't know. It could take a year. It could take two years. You have no idea how many conceptual plans you're going to go through. Something can change. You know, so to me, it was like, this site is huge. We've got a, we've got a, a, we've got a good enough spread that we could figure out what is going to be the, what I call maximum buildable capacity. What is the maximum buildable capacity on this site? And what is the easiest that the municipalities will also allow us to do without fighting us? That's the other thing. So it's like it's political and it's you know legal that you've got to understand all this at the same time because we're we're the quarterback as the developer. Um, so on this side, we're we're going to do the master plan, and we're not doing any horizontal or vertical. We're just getting it approved and entitled, and we're selling it off. So t- t- talk to me about the politics side of things. Like, how have you? Um... 
Like what, how, how has that experience been? Like, are you the guy, like, who's the face? Like, does it, does it need to be you? Can you outsource that? Like for the introverts out there, like me who like, don't yeah. really want to be the face of that. Like, yeah. but like you seem to be like, maybe, you know, an ideal front man or point man rather. <laughs> man, I'm the only, the only reason why I'm the front man dude is because at the time I had no money. So it's like I couldn't afford nobody. I couldn't like I was like I I was like I can't even afford a model. I gotta be a model. Like I gotta be the spoke. I gotta be the attorney. I gotta be the civil engineer. I gotta be the out there doing the ESA report with the guy so I can understand what he's doing. So I don't have to. He has to to charge me so much. Hopefully he can feel sorry for me or something. Um, Frankly, I just had to learn it. To Jack's question, have you had to go and sort of do the the dog and pony meet and greet, glad handing the local official and the count and the city oh, planners yeah. and the county council? Here's the mayor's phone number right here. It's like, yeah, man, hundred percent. But it makes it go faster. So what I learned is I don't want to outsource it. I want to meet the mayors, the city commissioners, the state, the senators, because then you get inside information of what's happening before anybody else. The mayor is the one that told me about my site on Olive Street, the ninety six units. He's like. You know, I think that's an opportunity zone. I was like, what? what's an opportunity zone? Never heard of that. It is an opportunity zone. Oh, this is great. You know, it's like, you don't know this stuff. You don't even know where to look, you know? So mine was just a money thing. I wish I wish I could have somebody else. I'm like, hey, dude, you know, Jack, can you go do this for me? I wish I had that kind of money. I could do that. No, I was like, Frank, you have to figure this out, man. And I would tell people, I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, but if you could help me, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, it's just like, just being as honest as I can. I wish you could be more, I wish you could be more authentic. <laughs> so how are you, how are you finding though? Like, you're know, like, are you, are you getting up in a community meeting and someone raises their hand and they're like, yeah, that's the ugliest fucking house I've ever seen. And like, you just like yeah. rolling with it. Well, you know, like we've got a lot of enthusiasm for it. Like, you know. Well, the funny part, I got that through social media actually. So there's local social media groups. So what happened is I posted something and then somebody forwarded it to a local group and then the Lakeland Ledger and news, news like news reporters are a part of that group and then they started seeing the flow of hatred and love for the for the projects uh, and then they reached out to me and I was you know and then they started coming out in groves about the project and so he's just like I didn't at first I thought about I was like man probably I should hire like a PR person I was like, man, that's expensive. So I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'll just post it. If God wants it to be out there, God will make it work. And if he don't, it won't. That's yeah, it. <laughs> I got you. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. See, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I wish it was like way more sophisticated that I could tell you like the sexy answer. I'm like, it's It could be like emotionally trying though, right? Like you got a lot of money. You got a lot of energy in this. You got a lot of money in this, right? If you're carrying this thing, it's something you already taken down. And then all of a sudden you've got like this, like coming at this negative coming at you, like threatening not only like your vision, but your pocketbook. Like, dude, that seems like that could be oh, yeah. like an emotionally, like psychologically difficult process to go through, right? Like, oh, Dude, imagine that. And I went through a four year long divorce at the same time, at the same time. time. So let me tell you the real talk when it comes down to this, man, there was times I had to ask friends for money. Like I didn't have money for my own car payment because I put everything I had. I just believed in my soul. I was like, I know this is going to work. And then it's like I could pay this sub who has to get this study done. But I know this is going to work. And then then a deal that I thought was going to happen doesn't happen. 
right? Because I've had probably five of those. You think you're going to cash out 200 grand on this deal or 50 grand on this deal or 150 on this deal. And then it just, none of them for some reason in this long stretch didn't happen. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, it's embarrassing. I actually had to, you know, hey, I think this is going to work. Now it's like, I know from, I think, but I know that it's like, I had to trust myself to like, I know this is going to work, man. Like, why would God take me this far if if he's just going to like leave me homeless? You know, it's like, I, can, I know this is going to work. And then it did. And then out of nowhere, it's like, I went from like, no lie. I remember, I never, dude, I thank God somebody sent me Apple Pay for $300 because that's what paid for my Instacart. I was like, because to me, it was like, I still need to work. So I need to put in all my time. Somebody gave me enough money to feed myself. And then out of nowhere, then these big checks started coming. So I went to like zero, zero to like, you know, how to learn how to meditate, not pray, because I didn't even know what to say to God. I was already embarrassed. I was like, God, I don't even know what to say. So I was like, I'm just going to learn how to meditate and shut my mouth. Why don't you just tell me what to do? (laughs) So just real talk, man. Just keeping it. (laughs) Shit's stressful, man. Jesus, take the wheel, Jack. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, 100 percent. I. I got so stressed, I just stopped shaving. I just said, fuck it. Just, let's get a beard. <laughs> let's, let's just go. I was like, I used to be a pretty boy. Craig knows it. I shaved my arms. I was like, man, I don't got time to shave my arms. I'm not shaving nothing. I just got to work. I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, not you know, go to bed at 9 or 10, and then wake up at 2 or 3 again. Like I just, I wouldn't have no phones. I'd like, I just kept laser focused on everything. Because I knew if I can... If you can get development for real, whoever's listening to this, you've you've got the keys to these family offices and these billion dollar families that they know that we didn't know. They're playing in that commercial world and development world for a reason. And it's all knowledge base. And I've seen it in my own eyes. These developers, a lot of family offices, they won't even teach anybody within their development company because they only want to teach the son to be the CEO. And it's so interesting. And I was like, I just have to figure this out. If I could do this, I know I could share this with a lot more people because if one day I won't be here, but if I could share this knowledge through everything I learned, then it's well worth it. That's how I looked at it. Personally, just me. Yeah. Yeah. Jack? No, no, I'm good. Yeah. So then uh, we got about, you know, we'll go for about another five minutes if you got it, Franklin. Um, You know, no, as as I, I was listen, about to say, I think I have about five more minutes. That's perfect. Yes. So as I listen to you, um, I know that you've done some build to rent. You know, you, you sort of you've done that, correct? Frankly, I, I thought I read that somewhere. Yes. We are. Yeah, the ninety six units we're doing build to rent. That okay, got it, got it. But that well, one I'm sure. keeping until I'm one hundred fifty years old. Yeah, I love that. So what's um, the um? So, so, so the, you're into yeah. the land right now, and then you're going to go do vertical construction on that. Have you started that vertical construction yet on the 96? No, we're still. What we're doing right now is we're finalizing our co-developer. So here's the other thing I discovered: when you're playing in this game, <clears throat> when it, you when you want to go horizontal or vertical at a larger scale, let's say it's over 20 to 30 or 40 units, you got to have another player that's done it before on your team period. Like, because the, the funding is different, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a $60 million plus development, you know, so you're not going to get that if you've never done it before. And I wouldn't give it to you if I had it, if you've never done it before, like, 
just real talk. Like, hell no, I wouldn't give it to you. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but so what I'm doing is that's why we're learning how to do the 12. So then that co-developer that we're already talking to, several groups that want to co-develop with us, they would bring 100% of the capital, 100% of their background, 100% of their experience. And then we would be the boots on the ground here because we do have all the subs for all the horizontal, the, the, the land work, all your utilities. We have all that how'd in you, house. That how'd you put that? How'd you build that bench? How did you get that together? How'd you get comfortable with that? How do you, think, how do you figure out like, like grading, right? Like moving dirt, right? Like how's a guy supposed to know, all right, I got this site. We need to move some dirt from here to over there. Like how much is that supposed to cost? How do I know the land got, you know, like one, how do you find those contractors? And two, yeah. how do you know what that stuff's supposed to cost? Cause that ain't lumber at Home Depot, you know? Yeah. So what really helped is that we did the house at Habitat and we did all the work ourselves. So we understood who were the, like, we didn't do the foundation. So we had to call that in, but we, we figured out, oh, you got to have an account with Simex. Oh, you got to get your concrete pump. Oh, these are the subs. And usually the subs that are doing a concrete pad, if they could do one, they could do 96 and they, you know, the utilities players. So then you got to find what I found. I got lucky and I found who's the supplier of the utility pipes underground. And that's usually a company. It's not Lowe's or Home Depot. That's called Core Core Main. So Core Main is like the Home Depot or, or Lowe's, but for underground large utilities. You know, so they're the ones that factor in your mini manholes, your manholes, your, you know, all these things. They're the ones that you buy it from. And so they have all the context. So I just asked the guys like, hey, who's some key players that could do a, 90, a nine acre site? And he's like, oh, Tiger Development or... Um, there's Tiger Development. There's another. There's three other main guys that you could call for site work. So I called them up and I said, look, this is the site. And when, you know, they're experienced guys. So all you got to do is send them over a conceptual plan. They'll say, look, roughly it's going to be between this and that. And then I took a course on uh, YouTube University uh, on land development. And then I just started like, okay, I would just ask them questions that I'm learning. I'm like, because it's not that far off from doing a house. It's just, it's just, you know, your utilities, you're doing your own utilities. It's infill. Thank God it's an infill nine acres. So I could tie in right to water and utilities, but I still got to, you know, build everything out within my own infrastructure. Um, so I found those guys again, just like finding where the, where do they get their materials and then asking the guy where they get the materials, like who's your key customers and then getting their phone numbers and referred by them. And then I then I would talk to him and I got bids from mm -hmm. all of them. So that that's what I would. just get yeah getting out there and networking, asking asking stupid questions like you know asking for referrals. Yeah, and just to me that's the fastest way to learn is like just start calling people and having conversations. Don't do the emails because it's too slow. You know, actually go out there and just talk to people. You know, go to a go to a subdivision that you're seeing built right now and ask the subs. Hey, who's, who's your guy? Hey, who did the land? They'll know. They'll know. Juan Lopez will know. You just talk, you know, it's like, they're going to know. So you just have that conversation and that's it. That's all I would do. And it helped because I'm a little bit tan. So they're just like thinking I speak Spanish and I don't. And I was like, look, man, you'll know, you'll know I'm like Espanol. So like, who's, Who's the boss? Who's Hefe? Who's Hefe? <laughs> like, did you I learn that? Yeah, man. Yeah. Did you use a um, Did you use a consultant like to like when you're like looking at a piece of raw dirt and you're like, hey, how much is it going to cost like to move this dirt, to put the roads in, to put utilities in? Like, 
did you, you know, it's hard to, like you said, you had to have a, a, a site plan. You can send them to get individual bids. Did you ever work with like a consulting company who could give you an estimate based off of a site plan, based off of a proposed site plan? Or did you do it? You just did no, it. You did it no. one, one, one contractor at a time for like for each piece. Yeah. And it was only the 96 units. Everything I did, like I really wanted to get really, 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 really great at approvals mm-hmm. and entitlements. So I never wanted to go horizontal in the beginning. I just wanted to get good at one thing first and then elevate after that. But I didn't even feel confident until I did one house. And then it's like it gave me the confidence like, okay, this is doable. These are the subs. Now I know the vertical side. Now I know the land side really well. Now I got to get that horizontal piece um, of the actual work. So I didn't even know you could hire consultants for that. Like Lakeland's small. There's only like two. There's a. Yeah, man, there's only like two attorneys you could hire for land planning. Um, and then what? And then there's another, you know, the attorneys between who who could be your civil engineer. You know, there's only one guy that actually is a land planner in Lakeland. That's really good. You know, so it's like everybody has these mini monopolies within development. And that's why it's it's integrity so high. Like you have to have integrity to play in this game where they just won't pick up the phone. They're like, no, nah, I don't, don't want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Franklin, I uh, is this being helpful, man. I I knew this would be inspiring, enlightening, and most of all, entertaining. And uh, you obviously did not disappoint, my friend. Seriously, I I couldn't be happier for uh, the growth that I've watched, you know, from afar, lurking online, and and honestly, the opportunity there is insane. I was reading prior to the show here that there are 26 affordable rental units for every hundred houses with incomes households with incomes, yeah. you know, of zero to 30% of the AMI. And that, that's a deficit of like 400,000 affordable units in Florida right now. And so the, the, oh, yeah. the, the niche that you're fulfilling sort of with that affordable housing for buy for buyers, as well as I'm sure at some point you'll get into the build for rent, you know, it's there. I think it's only going to mm-hmm. continue to get bigger. And the fact that you're learning it by doing it, is should be inspiring for every single person that is listening to this who's always said to themselves look i if if i've got four walls and a roof i can make this thing pretty again it's a whole different Mm -hmm. ball game when you decide you know i i gotta learn some new skills to put in the the infrastructure the roads uh the utilities and all that stuff and so i i just love the inspiring story and i thank you for sharing it with us man and if um again if folks want to find out what franklin is doing I would highly encourage everybody to go out and get inspired just by searching for Franklin Cruz. It, just Google Franklin Cruz, affordable homes, Lakeland, Florida. You're going to find out what he's doing, man. Or look for Franklin on Facebook. He's got great, you know, the, the, the press that you're getting right now is, is both. I haven't seen any of the bad. I've only seen the good. And I think it's really wild how you've, been, how you've captured that sort of almost viral moment with what you're doing down there, bro. And so... Keep on doing. I, honestly, I Thank almost want to strap on a tool belt and come down there and learn how to build houses with you, man, because I think it's very fun. <laughs> so, thanks for sharing with us, man. I'll I, probably be coming up with a course for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the sense sure. it might be in yeah. the making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for this because thank you that you know it's been four years since I've actually been asked any questions related to what I'm up to, and to me, I've just been like this laser focused because I didn't want to have. I didn't want to open up until any until I knew that I knew what I was talking about and I was actually good at it because um, it was a big thing. I didn't want to sit up here and say something I didn't do. 
as, or don't as, know. As the pastor um, of my church that. says, uh, there ain't no testimony without a test, and you've been tested, my friend, and so you've got a great story to tell. Continue to tell it everywhere you go. Yeah. I will, man. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you, Jack, as well for the time, man. Thank, thank you. you I, so I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot, man. It was great to learn from you. Perfect, perfect. Hopefully we can do this Absolutely. again. I'll go ahead and wrap it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. It's been Craig Fjord and Jack Bevere with Real Investor Radio. Thank you, thanks to Franklin Cruz. We'll talk to you guys again next time.